0: hey welcome back to crimes and closets this is beth coming at you from my closet in north carolina hey it's christy in my closet in st louis how's it going happy new
1: year i know uh 2021 thank goodness (laughs) bye bye boy right yes now I mean, 2021 has a lot to live up to, not live up to, but like oh. a lot to fix. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to literally say. Literally
0: nothing to do to be better than 2020. <laughs> it just well, has to be different. <laughs> we just have these high expectations. I feel like
1: for it to be so much better. <laughs> so I don't want her to let us down.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, I like that 2020 was a boy in our thing just now and 2021 is a girl. <laughs> I don't hate that. Come on, <laughs> sister. <laughs> girl power girl power (laughs) for real um so we hope everybody had a happy holidays and a happy new year and that Mm. we're back now season two season two episode one coming at you yes uh you know what's funny i was gonna say to the outtake episode i was thinking about this the other day when i was editing it um that Remember whenever we were really new at this and we never ever wanted to mess up at anything that we said because we were so scared of editing. (laughs) That's true. And now they're like our favorite parts and we save them just for fun. (laughs) Like save that one. Let's edit together a whole episode. (laughs) Yeah. I liked it. It was a good way to wrap up 2020. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah, just a little fun. We did. We were laughing. Holiday closet party. I know. Mm -hmm. I actually
1: listened to it a couple times just because it was so funny.
0: It was funny. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, I have a, I have a kicker to, to start us off. Okay. This story actually comes from a listener suggestion. It comes from our friend Kristen. Yay! Hey, Kristen. Yeah, she sent this story over towards the end of. 2020 and Mm -hmm. i put it on the list and then i like kind of skimmed it a little bit and was like i'm moving this up because it's a great way to start out the year it's a really good story i think you're gonna like it you gotta hold on to your pants yes (laughs) this is the story of andrew bagby and zachary turner
1: Okay. Those names don't even sound familiar to me, aside from from when I
0: saw Kristen suggest it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right, Kristen, here you go. So Andrew David Bagby was born in 1973 in Sunnyvale, California. His parents were David and Kate Bagby, and his mom, Kate, is originally from England, and so she has an English accent. I am obsessed with all things English. I know. I was going to say, I can't believe you're not breaking
1: into one right now. (laughs) Oh,
0: it's the best thing ever. Every interview that I heard, I was like, I just love her. She sounds so smart. (laughs) She's so polished and together. I'm binging the crown right now, guys. So I'm very into British thing. (laughs) They're all royals to me. Um, Fun fact, Andrew's parents' first date was at Disneyland. Isn't that cute? Oh, that's I know. I love that. All you Disney fans. Andrew was an only child and was very close with his parents. He was very smart. And from a really young age, he wanted to be a doctor. Hmm. So he knew that. that was He kind of made that as a goal from a pretty young age. He, as a kid, was an Eagle Scout, which is a huge deal. It's like the top mm-hmm. ranking thing in Scouts. And a little interesting fact about him is he only wore shorts. He never wore pants. Like ever? No, ever. It's so funny to see some of these things that I saw of him and he has on like a sport coat and a tie and a button up and khaki shorts. So cute. I mean,
1: (laughs) if you're going to be known for something, I feel like that's (laughs) a legit thing to be known for. When you have
0: a thing, lean in.
1: Yeah. And I guess if you live in California, that's definitely the weather where you can do that kind of thing. That's true. Mm
0: -hmm. He loved photography, and he had lots of friends, and he had a friend whose name was Kurt, who was in to filmmaking from a really young age, and they made together, like his group of friends, a bunch of home videos, like indie films, (laughs) and so I actually was able to watch some of them, and he really does just seem like such a fun guy. Like, Hmm. he's very lighthearted and charismatic and, you know, just like, you know, just a total... Normal dude. Mm-hmm. So he graduated from high school and was accepted for a residency program from med school at Memorial Hospital in Saint John's, Newfoundland. Oh, oh. Yes, Canada. I'm like, up. wait, we move into Canada. <laughs> Go into Canada. Okay. And In his third year of his residency or his med school program there in 1999, he began dating a lady by the name of Shirley Turner. Mm -hmm. Shirley was also a fellow resident in their program, and she was 12 years older than Andrew. Well, all of them. Oh, wow. She was 12 years older than all of them. (laughs) Yeah. And all of his friends, hmm, they thought that they were very mismatched. Hmm. I guess okay. it's like the nicest way to say it. For one thing, mm-hmm. Shirley had been married twice before and mm-hmm. she had three children <laughs> from mm-hmm. those two marriages. She was 12 years older than him, like I said, which is also like, I don't know. It's a lot, I guess. especially well, when, when,
1: you when you're, you're younger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. When
1: you're younger, I feel like it's a lot more than like if it was, you know, 42 and 54. Or... Right. You know,
0: that's so true. Yes. This was like 20 something in late Mm thirties. So, and to top it all off, she was freaking weird. She was like very inappropriate all the time. I also saw some video footage of them together at like a party and she is very sexual With him, like in front of people, and she's always like sticking her tongue out sexually and making comments. It's almost like she's trying really hard to act like she thinks people in their 20s should act. Mm, Yeah, But these people didn't act like that. They were doctors. Mm -hmm. So she didn't even fit in with them. It was just inappropriate. She was just weird. But Andrew had previously been engaged before, and when that had broken up, he was very heartbroken. By that, and so his friends were really trying. Like, this is the first person that he had dated since he his engagement had fell through, and so they were trying to like her for him because mm-hmm. they were like, "You moved on, which is great, and we're happy to see." So they really were trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and not be super judgy, but they did not lie, Shirley. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Shirley Turner. I'm only going to talk about her briefly because she's a piece of crap, and she doesn't deserve okay. to be talked about very much. Spoiler. Mm -hmm. She was born Shirley Jane Turner in 1961 in Wichita, Kansas. But when she was seven, her parents got divorced and she moved with her mom to Newfoundland. Like I said, she had been married twice before. She had three children, a son, and then two daughters. But she didn't have custody of her children. And they lived with their father or grandparents. Or a combination of the two. It's like she just did whatever she wanted. When she wanted. And couldn't be bothered with these children. Mm. So she was a piece of crap mom. And she had randomly decided in her 30s. To go to medical school. Which was near her hometown in Newfoundland. And that is where she met Andrew. And she's not cute either. She looks like his mom. (laughs) I mean. Just. I'll post a picture. In 2000, so this is the year after he started dating Shirley, Andrew accepted a surgical residency at a hospital in Syracuse, New York. So he left Newfoundland and moved to New York. At the same time, Shirley also left Newfoundland and accepted a residency in Council Bluff, Iowa. Oh, okay. so they were very far apart. They were mm-hmm. 1,300 miles apart. The two of them continued a long-distance relationship over the phone, writing letters. They would occasionally visit, but, you know, residency is busy. So Andrew decided really quick that he did not want to be a surgeon. He didn't like it. He hated it mm-hmm. in New York. He hated the surgical program. So in 2001, he took another residency program in a family practice in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And he loved it. He like settled right into it and was like, this is it for me. This is my thing. Fun fact, Latrobe, Pennsylvania is where Mr. Rogers is from. Oh, Red Rogers. It is literally Mr. Rogers neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) So it seemed like Andrew had found, you know, his niche professionally and, you know, life was getting on track for him. He was figuring out what he wanted to do, but. Things with Shirley, not so much. So not so much a beautiful day in the neighborhood. (laughs) That's what happens when you make up jokes last minute. Okay. Shirley, (laughs) it's fine. It's fine. We'll move on. Shirley was very possessive and jealous, and she would call him obsessively all the time. Constantly worrying about who he was with, what he was doing, who his friends were, where he was going. Very annoying. And sometime in the year 2001, in the year 2001, Andrew attended a wedding of a friend of his. And he didn't invite Shirley because <gasps> mm-hmm. Shirley didn't know the friend. Mm-hmm. And she called him something like 200 times. Oh, my like, gosh. So no. she, she – oh. She knew he was going? Yeah, she knew he was going to a wedding. He was in the wedding. Mm -hmm. He was a friend of his, and he was in the wedding. And so she knew he was going, and she called him seriously 200 times. Oh, my gosh. To find out what he was doing. She left him all these voicemails. It was a big thing at the wedding. All the friends knew. Right. So in October of 2001, this is a few months after that wedding, Shirley comes to Pennsylvania to visit Andrew. And at that visit, they attended another wedding of a mutual friend of theirs. So this is somebody that they both know. They argued the entire time. Mm. And it was a terrible visit. The whole entire visit, she was hysterical and possessive and just a mean girlfriend. So she left on November 3rd of 2001. And Andrew took her to the airport and was like, hey, Shirley, I'm done. I'm Ooh, all yeah, done don't here I don't want to be with you anymore and he puts her back on a plane to Iowa bye Felicia it's mm-hmm. like 2020 bye right. <laughs> the following day Shirley kept calling Andrew over and over and over again upset that he broke up with her blah 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 but then crazy gets in her car and drives 16 hours back to Pennsylvania and shows up on Andrew's brunt porch at 5 30 um, in the morning a hot mess X no breath. she didn't Yeah, so this is <laughs> November 5th okay I don't care who you are or what you want or what has happened don't do anything at 5 30 in the morning <laughs> like it's not well, gonna go well it's a universal no for yeah, me. I mean at what do you think 30? is gonna happen yeah right mm-hmm. so she's hysterical she's freaked him out because he obviously didn't expect her. He had broken up with her. He was not answering or returning her phone calls and lo and behold, here she is, waking him up. She was saying that she wanted to kill herself and she was so depressed and she couldn't live without him. And So he calms her down but the way that he calms her down is he tells her he has to go to work but he'll meet up with her after work so that the two of them can talk. Okay. So he goes to work and he tells his coworker, who is his friend, all about what had just happened that morning. Let me tell you about my breakfast buddy. And his coworker is like, "Dude, call the cops! Like she's crazy. She showed up at your house unannounced. She's acting a fool. Clearly unhealthy, toxic behavior. Do not go meet her. Don't." Well, oh do yeah, it. I
1: mean, it would have been one thing had she lived twenty minutes away, you know, and then like came back. Mm -hmm. But she drove
0: those. That's so invasive. Well, yeah, I agree. But
1: it's like you you live close by. You didn't drive 16 stinking hours Mm
0: -hmm. from (laughs) Iowa. In the middle of the night. (laughs) She drove from Iowa to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood to show up on his porch. No, no. So Andrew says to his friend, like, well, what's she going to do? Like, what is Mm -hmm. she really going to do? And he said, look, I'm meeting her at 6 o'clock. I get off work at 5.30. I'm meeting her at 6. I'll come to your house after I meet with her. So the friend's like, all right, cool. What time are you going to be here? And he was like, I'll be there at 7.30. This is not going to take long. Well, guess what?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to take a break. Oh!
1: <laughs> I'm never going to find out. that. that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. So you're right. Ding ding ding. <laughs> Andrew never shows up. Also, the next morning for work, Andrew never shows up. He doesn't come in the next morning for morning rounds. Um, so, I guess that's this, unlike him. <laughs> it's unlike him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for a doctor not to show up. So, this is November 6, 2001. Early in the morning, Andrew's body is found by his car. At Keystone, Keystone State Park, which is a park that is close to where he lives, with five gunshot wounds. Oh, my. He was pronounced dead wearing his scrubs from the workday before at the age of 28. And his death is ruled a homicide. Mm. Andrew was found face down in the gravel parking lot of the state park, not too far away from where his car was parked. Like I said, he had a total of five gunshot wounds. And this is the order that they believe that they, he received the gunshot wounds. One was to the left side of his chest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One was to his cheek. So in the face. Mm-hmm. Two in the butt. I know. Okay. <laughs> then the last one was to the back of his head. He also had some blunt force trauma to his head so they believe that he perhaps was kicked maybe after Mm -hmm. he was shot oh my gosh Uh uh-huh oh he was shot in the butt
1: i know two times like Like, weird so can i ask a question though and i don't know if you know this um how do they even begin to
0: speculate the order in which i mean is it how much blood loss there is and the trail (laughs) of blood like the way, so what they okay. believe happened is they think that he got shot in the chest, and then point blank in the face. He turned around, like to mm-hmm. run away, and then was shot in the butt, fell, and then they got shot in the back of the head. Mm, right. That's what they mm-hmm. think happened. So, all the bullets were from a twenty-two caliber gun, and eyewitnesses that they interviewed reported seeing Andrew's car parked alongside an SUV in the parking lot where he was found the evening before. Oh, so his car's parked there and there's another car that's an SUV that's parked beside him. Okay. So police question friends and family, all of which immediately bring up crazy Charlie. Mm -hmm. And anyway, the significant other is always the first suspect. Right. So they call Shirley Turner and question her. Shirley reported that she last spoke with Andrew on November 4th, so two days before, and that the day of November 5th, which is the day that he they he was shot, she was sick in bed in Iowa all day with a migraine. I uh, uh-huh. you know you weren't. <laughs> she tells police, right, well, we know that's a lie. She tells police that they are dating, but they're not exclusive. She kind of makes it seem like they're not really that serious and it's not that big of a deal. Police go through records and, like, look some stuff up about Shirley and find out that she had recently purchased a twenty-two caliber pistol. So they ask her about it. And she says that she does have one. She has it for protection. She took some classes so that she could figure out how to use it safely and that she would gladly turn it over to police. Hmm. So then she calls back and says, well, she lost it. She doesn't know where it is. Then she hmm. calls back again and she says, well, I don't really know what happened to it, but I think I might have given it to Andrew.
1: No. How do you not remember giving a gun to somebody?
0: Mm-hmm. First of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So in the meantime, the police are doing cell phone traces on Shirley. So they're tracking her cell phone, pinging from towers. And this is back in 2001. So this takes a long time. It took a couple weeks for them to be able to triangulate positions and get all of this information. Because they were able to track her cell phone records from Iowa, making calls all along the way to Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Then from Pennsylvania, making calls all along the way, on the way back. So they also find that she called into work on November 5th and said that she was sick in bed with a migraine from Andrew's home phone. Oh, see, you ain't in Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, and they also had his friend saying that Andrew had told him she had come and shown up on his porch, right. so, yeah, and they also found that she had logged into her email and eBay account from Andrew's home computer on November fifth. This is all before people knew that all that
1: stuff could be like traced, and you could what know you exactly up what on you eBay logged in. well, that's true. What does she need? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you need from eBay today? Maybe she's what trying to trying sell to... that gun. Well, maybe. I don't know. That's a good point. So the police issue a warrant for her arrest. However, in this few weeks that has taken to gather all this information, Charlie goes back to Newfoundland. So, so she is now in Canada. And she moves in with her oldest son, TJ. Which, remember, that's where they met. Mm-hmm. That's where Andrew was. That's where they met. They went to um, med school there. So, the the warrant that they issue is for first degree murder, and on December twelfth of two thousand one, she was arrested in Newfoundland. However, she was let out on bail the same day.
1: Well, Canada has like some crazy laws about. Mm -hmm. We're
0: going to talk about that. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm not surprised. I roll. I roll to Mm -hmm. Canada's laws. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that's my next sentence. The crown has a very different way of handling bail. It's <laughs> my mm-hmm. last next sentence in my notes. <laughs> so the U S begins the process of extradition for Shirley, but this is a very slow process. Extradition is a nightmare anywhere, no matter where, but it's super, super really slow. Just takes a long time. In the meantime, they're starting to also build a criminal case for first degree murder. In February of 2002, so this is two months after she was arrested, three months after Andrew's death, Shirley announces, get your pants, Shirley announces she is four months pregnant with Andrew's baby. Shut up. I'm not going to shut up because that's the mm. truth. Four months pregnant. And then, in July of 2002, while still awaiting extradition, still awaiting trial, and out on bail, Shirley gives birth to a healthy baby boy and names him Zachary Andrew Turner. No. So, he's named after Andrew, but he has her last name. Right. Right. Okay. Oh my gosh! I can't believe this process
1: is that long. That she like you know is four months announces that she's four months pregnant, and then she gives birth to this kid. And she's still yeah.
0: not waiting around, living her life. Um, paternity was confirmed that this was Andrew's child. Andrew's parents, David and Kate Bagby, quit their jobs, moved from California to Newfoundland to fight for custody of their grandson Zachary. On November fourteenth of two thousand and two. A, so this is a year later, mm. a judge declares that there is likely sufficient evidence to convict Shirley of first-degree murder, and she is finally arrested and put in jail. Well, thank goodness. Shockingly, she gives temporary custody to David and Kate, Andrew's parents. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. While she is in prison, she is allowed to call daily to check on Zachary, and once a week... They make a two-hour drive up to the prison so that she can visit with him.
1: That to me is some fantastic parents because they're they're doing that knowing that this is the person who probably killed their kid, their son. That's exactly
0: right. And to that, they said they're when people question them about that, they say we loved Zachary more than we hated Shirley. Mm. Yeah, big people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like really, really amazing people. Selfless. When I grow up, I want to be like them. I know. Well, (laughs) let's hope you don't have to do any of that. Okay. On January 10th of 2003, so this is, I don't know, a couple months after she's been in prison, Shirley writes her own letter of appeal to Judge Gail Welsh. Okay. I don't normally mention like judges' names and things like that, but I am shouting this lady out. Okay. Judge (laughs) Gail Welsh. Grants her bail and gives her custody of Zachary. Good heavens, why? A person who is accused of a violent first-degree murder offense. She's just like, yeah, you're good. Here's your baby. Mm. In her decision, she says that it was not directed, her crime, it, was not directed at the public at large, there is no psychological disorder that would give concern about the potential harm to the general public. Okay, let's just break it down. Her her logic is that she's saying even if she is guilty, the person that she wanted to murder is already dead. So she's really no threat to the public.
1: Right, yeah. Because people who have killed the one person they want to never, ever, ever kill anybody else.
0: Because <laughs> yeah, when you break up with people and you kill them, like... Of course you're all done. That's normal. That's a normal reaction. Judge Gail Welsh. Oh, she's giving the evil eye too. Uh The upside is that Kate and David Bagby, the grandparents, continued to get visitation with Zachary. And they were so kind to her. I'm not even kidding you. They helped her. They brought her food. They bought diapers for him, clothes for him. They went to birthday parties. They were so involved in this kid's life. They had overnights with him. I mean, they were like grandparents like our parents. Mm -hmm. Only she killed their son. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Shirley is always very jealous of the fact that Zachary seems to prefer Grandma Kate over her. And I would be the same way because I like people with English accents better than other people.
1: (laughs) So I'm just saying. Well, that. And I'm sure that she was way more loving. If this woman didn't want anything to do with her other three children most of their lives, then I can't imagine she was nurturing.
0: Thank you. Yes. And Mm. Grandma Kate is a good human. So during her time out of prison, awaiting extradition and trial, Shirley meets a man and they start dating. This man finds out that she is being accused of murdering her ex-boyfriend in the United States. And he's like, hmm, I don't think I want to date you. I don't like you anymore. However, in Shirley fashion, she reacts badly. She begins to get obsessive. She tells him she's pregnant, which was a lie. Calls Mm. him nonstop. However, the difference between this guy and Andrew is that this guy was like F off. Right. You're crazy. No, Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with you. No, I will not come meet you. I'm gonna block your number. I'm calling the cops. He was a he was a butthole to her. Which Andrew Mm. just wasn't that kind of guy. He just was a nice guy. And he, you know, he didn't do that. But this guy did. So, her trial is finally set for September 15th of 2003. And, I mean, it's really looking like at this point that she's going to be convicted of Andrew's murder. She's going to be extradited to the U.S. And she's going to be sent to prison. Mm -hmm. That's what it's looking like. Right. On August 18th of 2003, Shirley and Zachary are reported missing. Gosh. Soon after, a couple on vacation, walking their dog on the beach... Find the bodies of a baby boy and a woman. Mm, I knew the it was bodies. Kind of... I know. The bodies are identified as forty-two-year-old Shirley Turner and 13 month-old Zachary Turner. Oh my gosh. Police then find Shirley's son's car. Remember, she lived with her oldest son mm-hmm. TJ. Finds his car in a ditch by a bluff. In the town Conception Bay South. Okay. So she went into a ditch. Near like a wharf. Mm Right on the beach. And abandoned the car. The night before. Shirley had called a friend. From her home. She told her friend. That she was at the ex-boyfriend's house. The one who was like. You're crazy get away. And she's with Zachary and that she's going to stay the night because they're working things out. (laughs) But she's at her house. She calls from her Mm -hmm. house, says this to her friend. She then drove to that guy's house, the ex-boyfriend's house. And she left some photos of herself, like provocative photos of herself and some photos of her and Zachary and (laughs) a used tampon. Gross, gross
1: under his what? car. <laughs> Just like whip that thing out and throw
0: it. Like I don't know. Do I I I mean, I don't know mm. about that gross. little fun fact. Mm. She then drove to the beach. She took some Ativan, which is an anti anxiety medication that she had been prescribed back earlier in the year by a psychiatrist. And then she put some Ativan into Zachary's bottle Mm. and fed it to him. She then tied Zachary to her chest with her sweater, walked out to the end of the pier, and jumped in the ocean. (gasps) Stop! And both of them drowned. Police believe that the reason why she told her friend she was at her ex's house and left the very weird items that she left there was in some weird, terrible attempt to frame him oh,
1: so that he yeah. would
0: be like the last person that she was known to be with. And there's DNA there. I guess that explains mm. oh. the codex. I don't know about this woman was out of her mind. She was so freaking crazy. A night watchman near the beach reported that he had thought he heard a baby crying at like 2:30 a.m. <gasps> but this isn't verified and authorities are real weird about that, but I just I only brought it up because it's in a lot of the reports, but they think that Zachary was most likely unconscious because he was drugged. He was given the Ativan, mm-hmm. which can be like is a sedation and I mean I hope he was. I hope he was. Totally unconscious. Right. And didn't, wasn't awake for even one second of it. So, David and Kate Bagby, Andrew's parents, have become very strong advocates and have lobbied for bail reform in Canada, making it harder for those accused of serious crimes to be released on bail. And in the fall of 2009, a bill was introduced. To add a clause to the criminal code in Canada that says bail could be denied if it was deemed necessary for the protection of anyone under the age of eighteen,
1: and then okay. this became law in
0: 2010. So it's not what they Which, hoped for, but
1: I was going to say, I mean, that's that's fine and dandy and all, but when she was released, that wasn't it, nobody was concerned that she was going to hurt somebody, a kid. So she probably would have gotten released anyway.
0: Well, I don't know that that's true. I think that when you're talking about a minor, especially a really small minor, like he was under one. I mean, he was a baby baby. So if you have, I think, I don't know. I think what they were trying to say was because she had been charged with a violent offense and a judge had already said, yeah, there's probably sufficient evidence that you're going to get convicted of this. She is then a threat to that baby who can't Mm -hmm. defend himself. So I don't know that that's true, that it wouldn't have been made a difference back then i'd like to think that it would have yeah and that the okay. reform now will protect at least little ones when it comes to violent offenders mm. so the bagby is moved back to california so they left newfoundland and are trying to move on they have set up several like um scholarship programs At, like, the school that he went to or the place that he worked and things like that to help other students in his name, in his honor. And his dad wrote a book called Dance with the Devil, a memoir of murder and loss that has actually really helped to as a vehicle for justice reform. Hmm. Freaking heroes, these people. Yeah, no kidding. Like, they have lost... So much. There's also a documentary that is done by Andrew's childhood friend. Remember the filmmaker, Kurt, that I told you about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He did a documentary called Dear Zachary. It's on Amazon. It is so awesome, but very heartbreaking. Okay. So he started doing this documentary after Zachary was born. And the documentary was called Dear Zachary because it was basically supposed to be like his, uh, Andrew's friends and family writing a letter to his son, telling them all about him. But uh-huh. then, during the making of it, is when he was killed by his mother, and um, so they, and that's all part of the documentary. They talk about that, and so they kind of shift gears and make the le- like the letter, the documentary letter to David and Kate. The parents. I have heard of this one. I haven't seen it. Super heartbreaking. It's Mm -hmm. great. It's really well done. And it's all, I mean, it's a real documentary. So it's all interviews with his family, interviews with the parents, and talking about his childhood, pictures of him just. I mean, it's a true mm-hmm. about, it's all about his life. This guy traveled like across the country, went to Newfoundland to interview people and get pictures and stuff like that. It's, it took him a long, long time and it's really well done. It's very sweet, but so sad. Hmm. Um. Anyway, so there's the gosh. story of Andrew Bagby and Zachary Turner. Oh my gosh. I just,
1: I, ugh. I hate when there's like. Uh, innocent victim like that that's just like at the mercy of this crazy
0: person you know I mean especially like 13 month old like oh I did want to say too um Andrew and Zachary's ashes are together oh okay which is sweet so yeah yeah that's nice and (laughs) some of Andrew's ashes he has ashes that are in England which is with some of his mother's family and then his favorite uncle passed away before Andrew did and he, so part of his ashes are with him and they're in St. Louis oh really no. know, isn't that random and um, then so it's like one third in England one third in St. Louis and then one third with his parents and so they took Zachary and put Zachary's ashes in all those same places so they could be together
1: Oh, so he's in like with, okay, and mm-hmm. all the same. Okay. Yep.
0: Wow. So Andrew and Zachary, one third of their ashes are in St. Louis. So go see them. I don't know where they Gosh, are. Gosh, where are they? <laughs> They're with his uncle. He had an uncle that was his favorite uncle who passed away, and his ashes and a memorial for him are in St. Louis oh, in, a in a cemetery. Yep. And so they put his with his uncle.
1: Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, yes. Thanks, Kristen. Yeah, no kidding. That was a good one. And I I mean, I'm sure that people know about it, but that was, aside from knowing that that Zachary, dear Zachary existed, I did. I had no idea what it was about, but I knew that it was like, you know, it was, it was a documentary on something, but I I literally just heard about it. But I didn't know that story at all. Like nothing. I never read anything about that one.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. And I'll put a link on our website, too, of ways if you want to write into the Canadian Crown about justice reform and bail reform, you can write letters to the people, the judges, whatever. And there's some foundations that you can donate to if you feel so inclined. But very sad story.
1: It is a sad story. And they for sure need some change in Canada just from other I haven't done personally any research on any Canadian stuff, but mm-hmm. um, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and it's like ridiculous the people that get out, or it's are ridiculous to and me how get ten years or something, you know, like something. Silly. I hate
0: how people in Canada can call the shots. Like in her situation, people in Canada were calling the shots based on Canadian law when she convicted or committed her crime in the U.S.
1: Mm-hmm. So even if
0: they couldn't get her extradited to the US, it still should have been a US judge making those determinations on where she was, what she couldn't could could and couldn't do. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah, yeah. there should be mm-hmm. some crossover there. We need to get along when it comes right. to mean awful serious offenders like this or just right. in Don't- general. Yeah,
1: don't arrest a person who murdered somebody and then release them on bail that same day. Yeah, blur the right.
0: lines a little bit. It's just, right. you yeah. know.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: exactly. so there's that. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> everyone Welcome go back. Go watch a depressing documentary. Yeah, go on watch it.
1: I'm probably going to watch it. Maybe not today, you are. but <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, and um, thanks for coming back and not forgetting about us. And Come visit us on social media and go to our merch store. We still have stuff. We might not have a sale right now, but we still have stuff for sale. Kristen bought herself a sweatshirt. Ooh, she looked very pretty
0: in that (laughs) sweatshirt, too.
1: Yes, she did. So, anyway, send us some case suggestions because we love it and we're always searching for them. So, go ahead and email us crimesandclosets at gmail.com or send it through social media. It's fine, too. So, anyway, um, and we will see you next week or we will, you will hear us next week. We will not see you. Obviously, <laughs> Beth. <bad. laughs> Anyways, and always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets.